Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. I trust that even though we are meeting virtually, you do have a copy of the scriptures in front of you. Peter reminds us that we are as newborn babes to desire the pure milk of the word that we may grow by it. And if you've tasted it, you know how gracious God is. I love the church. I love the church because it's a place of growth. In my Christian life, the church has always encouraged me to take my next spiritual step. Whether it was Sunday school or vacation Bible school or Word of Life clubs, it was in the church that I was challenged and changed to conform to the character of Jesus Christ. Back in my day, we went to youth rallies. And a number of area churches gathered around and we shared together in ministry and service. And that all happened because my local church encouraged me to be involved. Summer camp was also another tool that our local church used in a very special way. Now, I was never part of a church that was large enough to have a specific youth pastor or student ministry position. But there were lay people, Bob and Sylvia Will, Jerry and Rita Ruby, who who built into my life and helped me to grow and helped me to develop and, and taught me what it was to live the Christian life. Through the local church that I developed a quiet time habit. Through the local church that I understood what it was to memorize the, the word of God and apply it to my my heart. It was also through the local church that my kids grew. And they had more aunts and uncles and grandmas and grandpas in the local church, people who encouraged them and prayed for them and and ministered to them. And there were so many individuals over the years that really impacted the lives of my kids in a very special way. I love the church because it's a real place of impact and it's where we can grow grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ now you are well aware that God has given to us two institutions he gave to us the family and it's within the family that our relationships are are strengthened and that we we grow together and the well-being of our lives is is developed But he also gave to us the church, a place where also relationships are developed and we are to grow and our well-being is taken care of as we function together to serve the, the Lord Jesus Christ. The first person that I ever got to to lead to Jesus, I did it because Bob Will took me to visit individual and we sat down and as we shared with him came to the place where he was asked do you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior and he said no and Bob turned to me a teenage kid and said Tom why don't you tell Jeff how to get saved all through the local church I love the church 
Here in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells us how we are to function within the local church. How are we to grow in the local church? How we are to develop our Christian lives all within the confines of the local church. Now, that's not the only place that you grow. I recognize that. But it is a place to grow and a place of significant growth in our lives. I'm going to ask the Coster family to read this passage of Scripture, and they're going to begin with verse 11 and and read through verse 16. You follow along in your copy of the Scriptures, please. And Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried out by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God uses people. People to build into lives so that they might grow together, and so that the body might build itself up in love. I want you to notice that as we look at the place of growth, that God uses people. Verse 11, Paul describes offices that God uses. And he, now stop right there, that's not Paul. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the head of the church, specifically gave these offices so that People within the church might grow and develop and mature and be together in love. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. The apostles, those who walked with Jesus, those who had a firsthand knowledge of the ministry that Christ had here on planet Earth, those who saw the evidence of his work, those who recognized the validation of the message. Aren't you thankful for the apostles today? I am so thankful that we have eyewitness account of how God worked in that culture to bring them the message of salvation. And again, some apostles and some prophets. Prophets who again proclaimed the message and who shared the message and who continued the message and who validated the wonder that God loved the world and gave his only begotten son to Save the world. And evangelists. And office. People who shared the gospel. Do you remember who shared the gospel with you when you trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior? Now, they may not have had the title of an evangelist, but they were evangelizing. They were sharing the good news. And they built into your life, and you recognized that you were a sinner and that Christ died for your sins. And that you could be born again into the family of God as you, as you trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior. Aren't you thankful for evangelists? Now let me stop right here and remind you that we are all to go into our worlds with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to be witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth. 
But he gave people to share the gospel so that his love for the world might be seen. And he gave pastors and teachers, shepherds and those who would instruct the flock and who would help the flock to grow and who would communicate the truth of the word of God so that individuals might be built up in their faith. Now there are two passages that tell us a little bit about pastors. The first one is found in Acts chapter 20 and the second one is found in 1 Peter chapter 5. And in these two passages, there are three identities given for pastors. The first identity that is given is that of shepherd, pastor. The second one is that of elder. And the third one is that of bishop. And each of these define the role of a pastor teacher. The pastor caring for the flock. The elder, one who is mature in teaching the flock. And the bishop, one who can bring and administrate the flock together so that it can develop the character of, of Christ. I think it's important as we look at these offices that we are reminded that there is a, another office that God has given to us, and that is the office of deacon. It's given to us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 where the qualifications are outlined as deacons. And we're going to talk about diakonos in just a minute. But the word deacon means minister, servant. One who shares in in people's lives. One who communicates the love of God and ministers well to the body. Pastors, teachers. As we have studied 1 Timothy chapter 3 and we'll get back to 1 Timothy coming in September. We noted that the distinction between the office of the bishop, the pastor, the elder, and the office of the the deacon, the distinction is that the bishop, the pastor, the elder is apt to teach. And that has the idea of communicating God's word and sharing in people's life, sowing the seed of the word of God. Now, you are familiar with the parable of the sower and the seed, right? The sower goes out to sow. And the seed does its work. And the effectiveness of the work of the seed depends upon the soil that the seed lands in. Now in that parable, it's all about the seed. And as Jesus defined the parable, he said, the seed is the word of God. You know the only requirement of the sower is that he's faithful in sowing the seed? doesn't say anything about he has to be a dynamic sower of the seed. doesn't say anything that he needs to be a comedian sower of the seed. It doesn't say anything about him being an entertaining sower of the seed. I recently saw a video on television where a traffic cop was wearing a mask, and since he couldn't blow his whistle anymore, he was dancing around and giving directions and entertaining all of those who were involved in the traffic patterns. It was great to watch. But you know that's not a qualification for a sower? The only qualification for a sower is that he faithfully sows the seed of the Word of God because it's the seed that makes the difference. It's the seed that brings forth fruit. It's the seed that transforms lives. 
Now, as Paul identifies these offices, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, I'm sure he's identifying individuals in in his life. Individuals that have made a difference for the honor and glory of God. Can you identify individuals in your life who have helped you to grow? Who have made a difference in your life for the honor and glory of God? You see, God uses people. He uses people to help us grow. And he brings them along in different capacities of life but all designed to build us together so that we might grow up in love. Love for our Heavenly Father, love for our Lord Jesus Christ, love for each other, and love for a lost and dying world. Although these offices are mentioned, I think it's important for us to recognize that there aren't any pedestal people within the body of Christ. There's no one that has a special position all we are is used by God for his honor and his glory you've heard me say a number of times I'm sure I don't care who gets the credit as long as God gets the glory and as God brings people into our lives the whole intent is for us to grow in our relationship with our God and bring him more glory because we are progressing in our sanctification and maturing in our faith. Now, God uses people. But he has designed these people to have an impact on lives. Look with me at verse 12. How does he use them? He uses them to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. If you have a King James translation, it says perfecting the saints. If you happen to have a New International Version translation, it says to prepare God's people for works of service. I want you to note that the responsibility of those individuals is to equip, give good tools to, help understand what the work is all about to the saints. If you know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, you've been saved to serve. You've been saved to get involved. You've been saved to to be a blessing to those around you. You've been saved to make a difference in this world. You're familiar with Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But don't forget verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are saved to serve. And so he's given these offices to help the body grow, to help the body serve, to help the body be effective. To equip us. To allow us to know how we can be effective. John MacArthur reminds us that there are four tools which God uses to help us be effective. The first tool is the Word of God. 
And we need, as God's people, to rightly discern, rightly divide the word of God. Second tool is that of prayer. Passionate, obedient, dependent, connected is all part of our mission statement. And the Bible tells us that we are to be connected to God in prayer. In fact, Scripture says we have not because we ask not. And when we do ask, we ask selfishly in so many, many different ways. MacArthur goes on to say that testing will help equip us. <laughs> During these days, we are learning to be the church. We are learning to get outside the four walls of this building and go into our world because that's what we have and that's where we are and that's what God has given to us at this time. And it's a real test. It really is. And then MacArthur says that suffering is another tool that God uses to equip us. There are so many things that people go through in their lives that I've never experienced. Challenges that I've never had to deal with. I mean, gut-wrenching decisions that are so hard. If you're in the middle of one of those right now, will you look at it as God equipping you to do the work of the ministry? Because you may well have an opportunity to share in someone else's life that I'll never have. You may well have an experience that will allow you to positively live out the love of Jesus when it's tough and difficult. And allow God to use that to equip you to better service. And what is the equipping for? The text says it's for the work of the ministry. The word work there is an interesting word. It's the word diakonia. You remember we talked about deacons? It's translated in other places as service. It's translated as ministry. It's translated as bringing people together so that they may know what it is to make a difference in somebody's life. That's what it's all about, folks. That's what growth is. Bringing us together so that we can make a difference in somebody else's life. You see... Preparation that God has designed is for the work of the ministry. Now, as a pastor, pastor teacher, I have the responsibility to help you grow. Many times I, I talk to folks, and in fact, I talked to one of our folks this morning. I said, How can I help you in your spiritual life? What can I do to help you take your next spiritual step? And we all have them. Doesn't matter where we are, we all have them. What can I do? And as we shared together, I recognize that there are some real challenges in this individual's life because of some unknowns, and we all have those, especially during this time, don't we? 
the truth is, I can equip you to the best of my ability. And if you're not doing the work of the ministry, it really doesn't matter. You see, it's kind of like a gym membership. You can pay your monthly fee, but if you never go to the gym, you don't get credit for having a card in your billfold. If you and I don't work out our salvation, if we're not part of the diakonos of the ministry, the service of the ministry, the impact of the ministry, it really doesn't matter, does it? Just because we got a card in our billfolds, or just because we wear a cross around our necks, or just because we sing and praise Jesus, the whole purpose is the work of the ministry. Why? So that we might build up the body of, of Christ. King James edify New International so that the body of Christ may be built up. The word build there is an interesting term. It's an architectural term. And if you know anything about architecture, the blueprints are designed so that the building can be produced in such a way that it functions according to its purpose. You and I are to function according to the purpose. Architecturally, God has given to us blueprints so that you and I can function according to his design. Paul reminds the believers at Corinth, you are God's building. Why? Because you're spirit in, indwelt. And Paul reminds Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that the church itself is to be the pillar and buttress of truth, building up the body. You see, that's how God directs us so that we might build up one another. I love Ephesians chapter 4. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. And one of the verses in, a, in Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that we are to let no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth, but that which is to the edifying, building up accomplishing God's design in, in our lives. Sometimes it's difficult to hear the truth, isn't it? So, sometimes we need to know the truth, but, but that's a hard thing to either communicate or to receive. And yet, it is the truth that makes a difference in our lives and helps us build up the body of Christ. Verse 13 says, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. You see, God's purpose is that we mature. That we grow, that we progress. That sanctification continues to take place in our lives. That 
Our development is into Christ-like disciples. And I, I think it's interesting that, that Paul connects that unity to the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's what brings us together. The gospel is what unites us. Over the last couple of months, our country has been divided because of a number of events that have taken place. I have a dear friend. And I need to tell you that he and I were not exactly on the same page as a public response to the tragedy that happened with George Floyd was identified by the church, by me. My friend is another ethnic color. And he and I were not together on that. He thought my response should have been much, much stronger. I recently saw him. And we were in an activity together and he was walking and I went up to him and I greeted him and he said, come here. We did not social distance. We hugged. And he said, Tom, I've decided that that which, we, which brings us together is more important than that which takes us apart. Amen! Isn't that great? Now, we all have opinion, right? Is there anybody today who does not have an opinion about something? Men, if you don't know what your opinion is, ask your wife, she'll tell you. But the truth is, that which brings us together is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The faith. The faith that Jude describes that was once delivered unto the saints. The faith that is founded in the scriptures that provides with us a, for us a relationship with, with Jesus Christ. The author and finisher of our faith. That's what brings us together. And that is our partnership. And it's what God delights in. God wants us to be brought together under the authority of His Son, Jesus Christ. You see... The faith itself is not what should divide us. It is the faith that should bring us together. The faith is not about fads. It's about a foundation in the Word of God. The faith is not about some feel-good activity. It's about the formation of truth in our lives for God. The faith is not a focus on the culture. The, the faith is a focus on Christ. And no matter how different we are, and it's okay to be different because we're different parts within the body, but no matter how different we are, that which unifies us is Jesus Christ because he has given to us the privilege of living out the gospel. Next Lord's Day, we're going to talk about why I love the church. It is effective in living out the gospel. That's what we do. 
And he has brought us together under the unity of his son, Jesus Christ. Same focus, same direction, same values, same goals, same family, same team, same testimony. All around Christ. And what does he desire? He desires that we mature. Did you notice that? To mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now I want you to notice that the criteria is Christ. It's not your neighbor. It's not your family member. It's not another believer. It's Jesus Christ. That's the measure. The fullness of Christ. That's why we talk about your next spiritual step. That's Christ. That's we are to grow, why we are to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the development. And why is that so important? Jump down to verse 14, will you please? So that we may no longer be children. The, the word children there is the word infants. Those who are high maintenance. If, if you have an infant in your household, you understand something about high maintenance people. So that we are no longer infants, high maintenance. Why? Because those individuals, those children are tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. That identifies those that are insecure in the faith, who have no foundation in the faith, who have no opportunity to, to grow in the faith. Don't, don't be an infant, one who's high maintenance. But be mature in, in Christ. Rather, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. There we go. That, that, that's maturity. That's what God desires from our lives. Now, the question, how do we do that? May I give you four principles very quickly? How, how do we grow in Christ? Principle number one, you need to get started. That's <laughs> it's simple. Remember I talked about that gym membership, a card in your billfold? If you never get started... You'll never do anything. My wife is so patient. I have so many projects at home that need to be done that I've not started on. Now, I trust you're not smiling too much at home because you may be the same way that I am. But we need to get started. Do something. There, there is a lot of communication that happens and a lot of talk that goes, goes on. Thank you, Chris. When you're doing something live, you just got to keep going, even though, even though you know something's distracting, all right? 
hope that wasn't too distracting to you at home. <laughs> Chris said it wasn't on camera. It didn't happen. It did happen. You need to get started. My, my, my mother used to say, do something. Even if it's wrong, do something. And you and I, if we're going to grow, we need to get started. If you have a desire to read through the Bible, get started. If you have a desire to pray, get started. If you have a desire to, to witness to your neighbor, get started. Do something. Get started. If you have a desire to, to reach out to those who, who may be isolated, get started. Do something. Please. Get started. We also need to recognize that we need to renew our commitment to use our gifts to understand our part within the body of, of Christ. And maybe that's where you are this morning. You want to get started and you're ready to get started. So renew your commitment to service to Jesus Christ. We need to think about others. Because it is others that we are going to impact. And you need to just invest in someone. If everyone invested in someone, then no one would be left behind. And we need to be intentional. We need to work. Just do what God has called us to do. I ran across a, a little story about four individuals. The individuals were people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry. Angry about that because it was everybody's job. And everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Do it! Get it done. Please. Impact your world. Grow. Make a difference in, in somebody's life. I want you to know I am here to help you do what you believe God has called you to do. I had a conversation this past week with one of our folks who has a real burden for reaching those who may be isolated and connecting folks who are, are part of our, our Calvary Baptist Church body. And as, as I talked with them, they talked about individuals who, who may be well-equipped to, to minister to, to people and to encourage them. And, and that was a great conversation. And I, and I said to, to them, what can I do to facilitate this? How can I help you? And they said, well, give me a little bit of time and I'll put my core group together and then you can help us develop those that may be isolated. Great! That's equipping the saints. That's building up the body. That's ministry 
for Jesus Christ. But it took somebody who said, we need to get this done. Now, I want you to know that I, too, am part of this body. And I have the responsibility to minister in a healthy way within the body. I'm not exempt. I can't just sit in my office and think about things for you guys to do. I need to be an example to the believers. Why? Because it's the body of Christ, the church of the living God, where we are growing together and serving together and sharing together. And that's why I love the church. I love 